Fraud Pod. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 18 of the Teaching Abroad Pod, coming at you on December 15th. This week, we have a special episode for you, and I'm your host for this special edition, Janice Tremblay. With me for this episode is the rest of the Oxford Seminars Job Placement Service team, Kat, Luke, Alex, and Rowan. How are you all doing? Hi. Very good, thanks. Hi. As the new year approaches and society as a whole is hoping to put COVID-19 in the rearview mirror, many teachers are wondering about upcoming job opportunities for 2022. If you're thinking of getting back on the road to teach English overseas, there are lots of teaching opportunities awaiting you. Now is a great time to start your applications for 2022 positions. To help you decide on where to apply, our job placement advisors have put together our annual list of some of the top teaching markets to consider, including what makes each destination unique and desirable in its own right. So let's start with one of the world's top teaching markets, South Korea. Rowan, what job opportunities await those interested in teaching in Korea for 2022? Hello, Janice. That is a great question. I would say uh, I have, you know, Korea has a special place in my heart, uh, having taught there myself. Um, and also it's been kind of the beacon of hope, I would say, throughout the pandemic. They never stopped hiring foreign English teachers. Apart from some quarantine on arrival, masking in class, things like that, things have pretty much stayed the same. It's probably the best TEFL market in the world for a reason. They offer really good salaries, two to three million won per month, free housing, at least one-way airfare, um, and round trip for schools in smaller cities is usually offered as well. Severance pay at the end of the contract. Schools pay half of medical insurance, as well as pension contributions, which are 100% refunded when you leave the country. So the savings potential is very good. I was able to save about $1,000 a month teaching in Korea. So uh, we in job placement work with recruiters for both Hagwans, which are private language schools, as well as public schools hiring for the spring 2022 intake, which are February and March starts. Now they've already been hiring those for, for a few months now. So basically you have to be applying now if you want to get in in February, but they will begin recruiting for fall, August, September starts around April. So keep that in mind, people who want to go around August of next year. And there are some positions that can be found in the summer as well. Uh, Hagwans with sudden openings or public school programs that recruit outside of Epic, which are the, uh, through our contacts, at least the Gyeongsang Namdo Provincial uh, Office of Education, as well as the Chungcheong Namdo Office of Education. So keep those dates in mind if you want to apply to Korea for 2022. Great. And as you said, you yourself taught in South Korea. What can you tell us about that? Did you get to any K-pop concerts? I did not. I went to some punk shows in Seoul. Uh, Hongdae is really great for live music, I would say. I saw my students doing the choreography like, you know, like they were themselves were K-pop stars. They knew it so well. But uh, the actual acts, no. Okay. So let's keep going and move on to another of the world's top teaching destinations, Japan. Luke, you taught in Japan for quite a number of years, didn't you? Yeah, so overall, I taught there for 11 years in total. I did um, three years from 2005 to 2008. And then uh, from 2015 to just uh, this year, actually. So it was a good experience. And I think Japan's still a good market. They're a little cautious about um, COVID. So they are, um, at the moment, restricting access. 
but it looks like it's going to be opening up in the near future because there's still a very high demand there. Um, teachers can get a pretty good salary in Japan. It's one of the top markets. You can make from um, about 225 to 300,000 yen a month, uh, which is respectable. And it's actually edging up the lower end of that. Um, they usually will help you with your accommodations. And in certain cases, they will reimburse your airfare uh, once you completed your contract as sort of an incentive to stay through the whole thing. Um, you don't really have uh, a ton of classroom hours. They're usually pretty good about balancing your schedule, so you have a lot of time to prepare. Um, and I found just overall, it was a very positive experience. Like the people to work with in Japan, they're usually really nice people. So they have openings starting like uh, in the spring, and we anticipate that they should be open for those. So um, if you're looking for a March-April start, then you should start applying now because um, they're taking applications and as soon as they get the green light for opening the borders, they're going to start processing a ton of them. Wonderful. And Kat, you also taught in Japan, didn't you? Yeah, so I was there for three years. Uh, and like Lucas said, the cases there of COVID are really low right now. So we are hoping that they will be able to open the borders up. How did you find it is uh, with regards to meeting other foreign teachers in Japan? Is that easy to do? It was pretty easy for me. I made tons of friends in Japan and um, in, especially in the major cities, there's a lot of foreign teachers and uh, yeah, there's lots of opportunities to meet people and socialize. And adding on to that, I do find that um, you tend to gravitate to the other English teachers. So mm -hmm. no matter where you are in Japan, I taught way out in the Inaka, uh, you still find all the other foreigners in the area mm -hmm. and you gravitate together because you're kind of sharing the same experience and dealing with the same sorts of culture shock and that kind of thing. I found that really true, especially I was living in Okinawa on a tiny little island with about 50,000 people and probably about 10 foreigners, but we all knew each other and we hung out every week. I found Korea like that too. Like my city was small. It was rural by Korean standards, about 100,000 people. There are still 50 to 60 other foreign teachers living in my city at any given time, whether they worked for the university or the public schools or the Hagwons. And you just kind of stick out like a sore thumb when you're walking down the street, you see another person who's not Korean. You're like, oh, hey, do you teach English? I teach English. Where do you teach? You want to go That's to the bar? You know, it's like, um, I did start that actual conversation more than once. <laughs> or like I was on the bus one time going back to my complex. And I saw another white dude on the bus just you know, two seats over. And I was like, oh, where are you going? And he said, this complex. So that's where I live. Oh, that's where he lived too. And from that mm -hmm. point on, we were like, you know, just hanging out every week, practically playing FIFA and going out to play real soccer and going out for drinks and whatnot, just just for making that one connection on the bus. Yeah. And Japanese people will joke that all the foreigners know each other, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> Usually true. Kind of true. Okay, since we've talked about Korea and Japan, let's stay in Asia and talk about another fantastic popular destination, Thailand. Kat, what's the update on teaching opportunities in Thailand for 2022? Yeah, so um, some good news. Fully vaccinated travelers to Thailand from Canada and the U.S. will not need to quarantine anymore. Um, all you need to do is take a PCR COVID test on arrival and stay one night in a hotel so that they can get the results back. And then after that, you're free to go. So entering Thailand, uh, still pretty easy right now. We've still been able to send teachers over. Thailand is our top choice usually for short-term positions. Um, we have contacts there offering contracts as short as four months. Um, so if you're looking to sort of dip your toes into the ESL market in Asia, it's a good way to get started. 
pretty decent salary available in Thailand, uh, especially given the cost of living, how low it is, usually between 30,000 and 50,000 Thai baht. Accommodations may or may not be included depending on the school, depending on the recruiter. Uh, they may give you an allowance for accommodations, um, but once you arrive, you'll have pretty short teaching hours, 18 to 25 a week. You'll be warm on the beach all the time. It's a great place to go if you're just looking to start uh, teaching English in Asia. I would say um, Korea is kind of similar in some ways in that the beaches are great. It's not as warm all year round, but definitely in the summer, I, I had so much fun going to the beaches on any of the coasts, really. Uh, but the teaching hours certainly seem a bit higher in Korea. I guess that's a real benefit of Thailand. Among, along with the weather, you get those short teaching hours. I think in Korea, it's like 22 hours for a, a public school and 30 teaching hours for a private language school. Um, I haven't taught there. I've only vacationed in Thailand, but the beaches were beautiful and everyone was so friendly. Mm. Alex, you spent some time in Thailand, didn't you? What, what were you doing there? I did some organic farming and some volunteer teaching at a local public school. And uh, what else did I do? A lot of traveling. Nice. Yeah, that's what I did in Thailand as well. No teaching, mm -hmm. only traveling. And farming? Mm. No farming for me. Okay. <laughs> I've been there twice and I definitely loved it. So no disagreement on Thailand being a great place to travel to and probably teach in as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. And you should really mention the food because it's amazing. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. I love all of the foods of Asia, really. Like whether mm -hmm. I'm cooking, you know, pad thai or pad siu or whatever. Or just the fresh fruit. If you go to Thailand, fresh fruit everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I know we all have travel stories from Southeast Asia, and we could probably talk about Thailand and the rest of the region for ages, but we've got some more ground to cover. So let's keep going and head over to Taiwan. Luke, what can you tell us about teaching in Taiwan for 2022? Um, so Taiwan is um, pretty much open. Um, they do have some restrictions in terms of uh, COVID safety, but they have been hiring fairly consistently and the salaries there are pretty good. So it's 43,000 to 73,000 Taiwanese dollars. Um, accommodations are uh, actually rarely included there, but they will, as with many other countries, help set you up with a place. Um, also, airfare is not typically included, although, um, again, some may offer a completion bonus, so they will uh, potentially refund your ticket. It really depends on the school and the contract, so you could potentially negotiate that. Uh, the teaching hours are uh, pretty low comparatively, between 20 and 30 hours and they do tend to want you to stay for a year just to make it worthwhile for them and for you, get the most out of it. Um, they have similar start dates to a lot of other countries in Asia. Um, there's a uh, January, March window, and then a summer uh, window from June to August. And uh, they're very similar to other markets as well in that they want you to have your um, bachelor's degree along with your TESOL certificate if possible. You know, the bachelor's degree may be preferred, but you can actually get uh, the work permit to teach in Taiwan without, you can have, uh, an associate's degree, like a two-year associate's or a two-year college diploma from a community college, as long as it's on the list of approved uh, schools from the government of Taiwan and you've got your TESOL and your diploma, you should be good to go. So something I definitely like to highlight to uh, some of our graduates who, who might have an associate's degree or college diploma, don't uh, discount Taiwan as a great place to teach if you want to make some money. They also have those great night markets that you can visit for some street food. Alex, you also taught in Taiwan, didn't you? Yeah, I taught there twice at two different uh, private schools called Bushiban. 
And I was actually on an island off the coast of Taiwan called Penggu, which is famous for windsurfing and has some really nice beaches. But I got to say, Taiwan is really beautiful. Like it's a physically very beautiful island. It sort of spans from subtropical in the north down to almost tropical in the south. And it's just mountains and lush forests and, and rivers. It's really a gorgeous place. So if you're into nature and hiking and getting out into the into the into the wilderness, uh, Taiwan's great. And it's sort of overlooked for for that. People know Southeast Asia is so beautiful, but they don't realize just how pretty Taiwan is. Wonderful. So we have one more country to cover before we leave Asia, and that's China. Rowan, what can you tell us about China? Well, China has been very cautious about bringing in foreign workers during COVID, but it is possible. Some of our contacts have been able to bring in new teachers in recent months, This, despite the process being lengthier and more costly for the employer. But hopefully restrictions will ease in the new year. And it's also worth noting there have been some reforms to the education sector, uh, which are currently underway. And it's left a bit of uncertainty around private language tutoring centers, uh, bringing in foreign teachers. But the major chain schools we work with are confident they will be able to uh, continue hiring from abroad and that these new regulations shouldn't affect training centers for test prep or business English with adult students, international schools, or colleges and universities. In fact, if you are looking to teach in a post-secondary setting, have a degree in at least 120 hour TESOL certificate, China is a great first option to gain some experience teaching in a post-secondary setting, which can lead to future jobs in the field. I would say once things do open up, I think the floodgates really will open in terms of jobs. There's just such a demand for English teachers in China and they've been raising the benefits to match the needs. So salaries have gone up to about, you know, at the low end, 12,000 and at the high end, about 30,000 yuan. The savings potential is extraordinary. Some contracts nowadays have salaries comparable with the Middle East. They offer free housing or at least a housing allowance in lieu, airfare or a contract completion bonus in lieu, severance pay at the end of the contract. And usually the school assists with some form of medical insurance. So there's typically lots of vacation days and you know it goes on and on what you can get when teaching in China. So, and the biggest intakes are for the term following Chinese New Year. And then again, around September in the fall. But there are jobs available throughout the year. I mean, I guess I'm preaching to the choir here, Janice. You taught in China. What was that? What was that like for you? It was a wonderful experience. I loved my time in China. So I was there a couple of years ago now. I think similar to what everyone else is saying, China was just, it was a really wonderful, welcoming and friendly place to be as a foreigner, I found. I lived in a small Chinese town. My students referred to it as a village but it was 4 million people. 4 million? 4 million. (laughs) And it was a village village. in China. (laughs) Yeah, so it was still pretty big, but there was actually a very, very large foreigner uh, population in my town. Not just a lot of English teachers, but there was a lot of Germans and Russians working in their industrial industry. And I was always shocked while I was, when I was going around the town, just trying to do groceries or do my errands that sometimes got very difficult because I didn't speak Mandarin at all and it's a very hard language to learn but I was always surprised at how willing the local people were to still try and communicate with me and we would have Google Translate out on our phones or the number of times that a store clerk would call a friend at home or at their place of work that they knew spoke English 
And then we would use that to kind of try and communicate in order for me to help me find what product I was looking for or something like that it was always really surprising to me. And it made it feel like a very welcome place to be. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Like, let me get my English guy on the phone. I just happened like almost every time. It was really, really, it was really funny and interesting. And uh, I really appreciated the effort, I guess, that everyone would put into trying to, to communicate with you and be friends with you. All right. So maybe it's time to move on from Asia and we'll look over at Latin America. Alex, you taught for a few years in Mexico, right? Yeah, I did teach in Mexico for a number of years, and I taught at a couple small private language schools, and I also taught at some public universities in the state of Oaxaca. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really, I really enjoyed my time in Mexico and kind of came to feel like a home away from home. And it's a nice spot for people based in North America because it's just a lot closer and it's the same time zone. And it's real easy to uh, get friends and family down to, to visit you when you're down in Mexico. So. Uh, it's a top teaching destination in the region for a bunch of reasons. It's really beautiful. It's got a great climate. It's a big country with a lot of teaching opportunities and a lot of different sorts of opportunities. Um, throughout the pandemic, Mexico has actually remained pretty open to visitors. They haven't actually put in a quarantine period, haven't asked for any proof of vaccination or COVID testing upon arrival. That said, it's important to be safe. So, for example, the U.S. Center for Disease Control does recommend that unvaccinated travelers should avoid travel to Mexico and that fully vaccinated travelers should follow local safety recommendations, wearing a mask in public and social distancing. Uh, for 2022, we're gonna see uh, the typical wide range of opportunities in Mexico from private language schools, private international schools, K to 12 schools, public universities like where I taught, and also internship programs. Uh, we have uh, some contacts that have a four month internship program with different start dates throughout the year. And they include homestay or uh, paid accommodation options and a monthly stipend. Uh, typical salaries in Mexico, four to 15,000 pesos a month, which by local standards is, is pretty competitive for 20 to 35 hours a week of teaching. Contracts range from four months to a year. They start regularly throughout the year, depending on the type of position and programming. It's also important just to check the latest news for visa application procedures, or visa timelines with the local consular office or embassy where you'll be applying for a visa because those things change, the timelines change, and even the requirements change. Uh, so you really have to check your local embassy or consulate to get the most up-to-date information on, on getting your visa at the time you're going to go. But that said, Mexico is open for business, and for 2022, we expect lots more opportunities to be available. Okay, so we also want to talk a little bit about Colombia, but before we get there, we're going to head over to Europe for a quick minute and hear about teaching opportunities we can look forward to in Spain. Kat? Yeah, so uh, as you might be aware, Europe can be a very difficult ESL market to break into. Uh, many countries require you to have an EU passport even to apply, but we have been lucky in that there are a couple of programs in Spain that allow you to go there and teach. So the program that we work with uh, allows applicants to enroll in either Spanish language courses or TEFL courses at Spanish universities. So while you're studying, you're also um, acting as a teaching assistant in local elementary or secondary schools. So that can be a really great way to get classroom experience and improve your Spanish skills at the same time. So we expect applications to open for potential September, October 2022 starts in late January. So that'll be the time to start applying for that program. Uh, you'll be making between 900 and 1500 euros a month, which is enough to live on there and maybe 
scrape together some savings at the end of each month. Accommodations are rarely included, airfare rarely included, but on the other hand, teaching hours will be between 15 and 30 hours a week. You will need a bachelor's degree or to be a current post-secondary student when applying for that program. And Alex, you've traveled a bit in Spain, haven't you? Yeah, I've been to Spain a few times and uh, I've explored different regions each time and there's still so many more regions I didn't have a chance to get to and I'd love to get to. So Spain is really, it's a movable feast. There's so many, every region has a world-class city, of, you know, beautiful towns, beautiful. There's so many things to see and do in Spain. Like it's, it's almost, you need just to take trip after trip after trip. So for teachers, I think being open for different location preferences is a great idea because you may think, oh, I only want to be in Barcelona and not realize that there's Valencia, there's Malaga, there's Sevilla, it just goes on and on and on. So being open to exploring different regions, maybe looking at positions in different regions will give you more opportunities. And I, and I guarantee whatever region you're in, you're going to like it. Okay, so now jumping back to Latin America, what can you tell us about Colombia? Uh, so Colombia is a popular teaching destination. It's one of South America's most dynamic and diverse countries. It's got amazing biodiversity, amazing range of climate zones from the high Andes down to the tropical coasts. And it's a strong, stable economy in the region. It's really sort of a powerhouse economy of South America. So it's long attracted uh, travelers and teachers. And it's become a popular teaching destination for people wanting to teach business English. So people with a business background or just an interest in teaching adults, highly motivated adult students. And I did tell a story in a previous podcast about a flight that I was on that was supposed to land in Quito, Ecuador, and due to weather conditions, we weren't able to land. So we got a surprise rerouting to Colombia and uh, ended up in Bogota sort of unexpectedly. So I can boast that I've spent about a total of a day and a half in, in Bogota, Colombia. But even in that short time, I was really impressed. I thought, wow, this is a really fascinating city and it would definitely be an interesting place to, to live and work. So salary ranges for Colombia tend to be in the 500 to a thousand dollar range, sort of depending on how many hours you want to take on, um, which is competitive for local standards and it's a low cost of living. So with that, you can enjoy a pretty comfortable lifestyle. Uh, there are start dates throughout the year, especially for the business program, because demand tends to be pretty consistent. Flights and housing are generally not included, but uh, our partner schools in Colombia do try to assist teachers in finding housing on arrival and also getting set up with their bank account and their work visas. For current information on travel restrictions, as always, check your local embassy, consular website, as well as government uh, issued travel advisories from official sources, such as the U.S. Center for Disease Control or the Canadian government travelers. But I think for 2022, Columbia uh, will remain open. It's been open, it will remain open, and it will remain a popular teaching destination, especially for those uh, keenly interested in trying their hand at business English classes. So funny, the stories you can get from uh, flight troubles. In my case, I was supposed to have a direct flight to Seoul from Toronto. And I was you know, really keen on that because it was gonna be like the shortest possible flight to Korea. But then we had engine trouble somewhere over Alaska and had to land in Fairbanks. And then, hilariously, Sarah Palin landed around the same time. This was during the presidential campaign. And so CNN was there with their cameras and we're watching it on TV, on CNN, the airport we're in as Sarah Palin's uh, parading around for her vice presidential run, I guess. 
before unfortunately being rerouted back to Vancouver for the night and not getting to Korea until the next day. So what was supposed to be the shortest possible flight to Korea became <laughs> the longest possible flight to Korea. Quite an adventure in the airport though. I mean, that's worth <laughs> something. Yeah, I mean, I, I left the airport. I actually set foot on the Alaskan soil and looked at the tundra or whatever it is out there. So at least I can say I've been to Alaska. Now Kat, uh, before, before we go, I heard you have a, an upcoming blog people can check out on our website in the new year. What, what can you tell us about that? Yes, so uh, one of the reasons I went to Japan is that I love video games. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nintendo, especially. And what I found in Japan is that you can get old Nintendos, the old original one, the Famicom and Super Famicom at pretty much any secondhand store for wicked cheap. So you just walk in and you buy the old system with the controllers. Uh, Japanese people take very good care of their belongings. So these things are all in you know, very good condition despite being decades old. And you just buy a handful of games for a few bucks a piece and you, know, you have all of your childhood memories and now something to practice Japanese with. Nice. My parents still have my sister's childhood N64, but I didn't like any of her games. So I bought um, Mario Kart and recently Tony Hawk. So me and my kid have been playing a lot of Mario Kart and Tony Hawk lately. And I think it's just as good as a, you know, PS4 or whatever. I'm happy with an N64, to be honest. It's so much fun. And I also got uh, an emulator on my computer and we've been playing um, Mario 3. Classic. He's having a ton of fun with that. I'm determined to actually complete the game this time around. Uh, I love the Japanese games as well, like especially obviously the big ones like Final Fantasy. I just got Mm -hmm. that as a present, Final Fantasy 7 Remake for my husband. The older games that don't automatically switch to English, if you get the Mm -hmm. Japanese version, it's such a good way to practice. Definitely playing it in English though. <laughs> uh, a lot of um, speedrunners will play video games in Japanese because the mm. text is faster than English. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's interesting too. One person, and I'm right here. So I'll edit <laughs> that one out too. <laughs> okay, so there you have some of our recommendations for top teaching opportunities for the upcoming year. Thanks to the rest of Oxford Seminar's job placement service for joining me today. You can also find more information about these top TEFL opportunities for 2022 on the Oxford Seminars blog at oxfordseminars.com slash blog. And thanks to you listeners for tuning in to the Teaching Abroad pod. We'll be releasing new episodes every other Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe and also share it with your friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. If you have any great ideas you'd like to hear us discuss in upcoming episodes, please leave them in the comments on YouTube, send them to Oxford Seminars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or feel free to email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. Thank you.